Adrian. Rivy. Well, it's thrilling to talk to you from the Eastern Coast. Likewise, though I am not on the Eastern Coast. This is true. I'm calling from the Eastern Coast and Adrian is on the West Coast. And we are here to record the latest episode of The Poem, The Parsha, and The Podcast. Aren't we, though? Oh, Rivy, we... Yes. Tell us about tell us about the Parsha. This is this is um and I was thinking about this earlier today and I feel like this is a really um sort of meaty Parsha in ways that we haven't seen in a while with all the syntheses. Uh this is true Adrian. Not only is it the very meaty Parsha, it is the longest Parsha in the Torah that we read and uh, oh my goodness oh yes and it's gone I was unaware yes it is the longest now the beginning may seem very repetitive as we hear over and over again about gifts but then Mm -hmm. but then we move into two laws and we end with the birkat koanim the priestly blessing and I think the poem that we have selected today really will deepen our conversation about both the laws of the Nazarite and the laws of the suspected wife. Yes. Yes. Um, So this week's poem is Woman's Constancy by John Donne. And Donne himself, I feel like, is an interesting character in light of the Parsha. He was born of a recusant family. His family were, were, his parents were Catholics who refused to submit to the authority of the Anglican Church in England. So, um, and then, and then he went on to become a cleric in the Church of England and a lawyer. So there's, there are many layers here of um, observance, many layers of sort of roles played within a religious sphere. Like there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff when we look at done through this lens. Um, and this poem itself is... Um, it's brief. It's 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 in the twelve lines, ten lines, um, but it is rich and um, the tone I think is is interesting and um, arresting. Even I agree, and I feel so convinced that it's so evocative of the Sota situation and even yes. of the Nazir situation. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. Um, it, it, it feels like, like we could really dig deep with this one, even though it's such a small poem. Well, let's just hear it. Great. Women's Constancy by John Donne. Now thou hast loved me one whole day. Tomorrow when you leapst, what wilt thou say? Wilt thou then antedate some new made vow, or say that now we are not just those persons which we were, or that oaths made in reverential fear of love and his wrath any may forswear, or as true deaths true marriages untie, so lovers' contracts, images of those, bind but till sleep death's image, them unloose, or your own end to justify, for having purposed change and falsehood, you can have no way but falsehood to be true. Vain lunatic, against these scapes I could dispute and conquer if I would, which I abstain to do. For by tomorrow, I may think so.
too. Oh my goodness. I know. It's very intense. And the phrase that just jumps out at me about the situation of the Sota is vain lunatic. Yes. (laughs) I went there too. Oh my goodness. I mean, first first of all, this is a phrase we're going to need to adopt. Yes. Yes. Consider it done. Uh, John Dunn, you mean? Um, oh, oh, I went there. I went there. Um, vain, vain lunatic is very much to what the situation of the Sota may actually be all about. That yes, this husband has um, suspected, and he perhaps is a very jealous spouse, and he accuses and accuses and he takes his wife to be tested in an ordeal to Jerusalem, to the temple. Mm -hmm. And this is understood by the Talmud as a ritual that will will bring peace. That Mm. it is a way of showing the husband, see, your, your wife is an honorable person. And I'm not saying that the Torah is meaning to say to him, you are a vain lunatic. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't argue. (laughs) it's true it's true it it feels um oh gosh what's the word I'm looking at for it it feels a little I don't know the hipster in me wants to say like it's so meta but in a way like it's sort of self-referential um to look at to to have the text to look at somebody and and um give us all of I mean, it is such an ordeal when the Sota goes to Jerusalem. It is such a thing. And there are all like, clearly, I mean, I feel like written and unwritten, lots of like big emotional stuff present there. Um, It's not just necessarily about this sort of strange legal ritual. I'm not even sure what to call it. Um, For the text to say, in a sense, like, do you see this? Do you hear yourself? I think that's um, that's a reflection we don't often see in text. And take a look at the first two lines of the poem. Yes. Now thou hast loved me one day, whole day. Tomorrow when one. you least, what will you say? What will thou say? And, and so very deep in the heart of this husband is already after the first day of their marriage, this fear. Yes. Yes. Like and what? No, I was, do... I was gonna... Go ahead. Let's just talk over each other. Um, I'm sorry. sorry. What were you going to say? What story? So tell me what your thoughts are and what is John Donne saying in this poem? I think John Donne is really speaking to the sort of anxiety and vanity and um, sort of limited self that we are in when we have that sort of contract with another person, especially this kind of intimate contract, not just any, whatever. It's not just a dog walker. Like this is a, this is an intimate thing. And so then, you know, we're one day in and all the insecurities come up, all the insecurities and the insecurities turn inward and they turn outward and they turn ugly and they turn. Yes. And not so flattering. Yeah. Now, the other passage, you know, Nazir and Sota are juxtaposed one way in the Mm -hmm. Torah, in another way in the Talmud. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting that there are some shared features about um, these two um, sets of laws. Now, the mm-hmm. Nazir makes a vow. 
And of course, wilt thou antedate some new made vow or Mm -hmm. say that now we are not just those persons which we were. And so that makes me start thinking about this Nazir. What compels a Nazir, a person to take a Nazarite vow and to say, Uh, you know, I'm not going to drink any grape product. I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not going to become um, exposed to any dead body um, impurity. Mm-hmm. What compels a Nazir to do that? And there's an interesting tale in the, I believe it's the Talmud of the Midrash, about a particular Nazir who, he was a a fine looking gentleman and he looked mm-hmm. in the water, saw his reflection, saw how beautiful he was. And he said, I'm going to go to, I'm going to become a Nazir. I am going to, cut this beautiful hair of mine as part of the mitzvah, as a fulfillment of a vow. Now, mm-hmm. now, hello, that sounds awfully similar to the myth of narcissists, of course. Yes. And you read my mind. You know, I, I how could I not? And um, <laughs> even though we're being bi-coastal right now, mm-hmm. um, but it, it kind of strikes me as, is there something very egotistical about this huge vow being made? Well, I feel like in the bigger picture, I think that the text is that the Torah is, is exposing us for what we really are, which are basically just vain animals. <laughs> and so and- I, I feel like we, this is a sort of, this is a, a fable, right? That holds the mirror up to us. It's just like, look, do you see what you really are? And if you want to make this dramatic pronouncement, at least do it for God. Yes, yes, yeah. Like, look outside yourself for a whole second, maybe. And yeah. if you're going to make these, this, these sort of dramatic gestures, then look outward rather than inward. You know, stop posting on Facebook about your Peloton score. But, you know, let's, take, <laughs> let's just take a real vow. <laughs> And, and do it it's right. True. It's so true. Like, yes, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think, I think, and, and I think Dunn sort of speaks to that. And I think if we, if we take Dunn's language out of the room, the, like the small R romantic context. So lovers, contracts, images of those bind, but to sleep death's image, them unloose. I think I think Dunn is sort of like you know he's he's providing that reflection for us again that that when we when we look at ourselves we really need to be looking in you know and this just goes back to my whole theory that like poetry is eavesdropping on a conversation with God um, I feel like like Dunn is sort of holding up that mirror for us in a way that the same way that, that the Parsha does of like, look at, look at yourselves, look at yourselves in the scheme of what a life is and, and have a little perspective, have a little perspective on like the nature of relationships and the nature of who we are on this earth. I so agree. I think in, in a way, these two pieces the jealous husband who takes his wife to jerusalem the Mm -hmm. nazarite who makes this dramatic vow they are people who are responding to raw emotion yes and you know my sister has a phrase they are being overwhelmed by emotions they can neither identify nor understand and Mm -hmm. 
and this is how they proceed. And what's fabulous is that our Torah gives us an institutional way of dealing with this. Yes. And, yes. and instead of letting everything just go wild, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to take this vow. It's going to be for 30 days. You're going to come to the Beit HaMikdash. You're going to come to the temple. You're going to get your haircut. You're going to go back to your regular life. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the same for the jealous husband. You're going to bring your wife up. She's going to drink this. We're all going to see that this was just like an overactive imagination of yours. Yes. Yes. I think that, I think that when we, that the text provides both the sort of reflective moment and it provides like a boundary, right? Like here is a prescription and this prescription is not necessarily just about God. This is about also like our own set, like our own human need for structure. And like your, your emotions may be reeling out of control right now, but here is a very clear, defined way to put those into perspective and make them manageable and, and bring you back down to earth in a way. I absolutely agree. And I think what this poem is doing is actually exactly what you said, giving airtime to these fears that we all mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think like looking at the tenure of our our project here, I think a lot of what we do with this, with the poem, the part of the podcast is really sort of take these big feelings and these big ideas and frame them in a way that makes them feel like relatable and reflective and, um, you know, it, it frames it, it both sort of as the humanity and as sort of the God in the human, um, you know, the B'Tselem Elohim moment, and it, it makes them manageable. And really helps us to see that the Torah is, of course, about so many parts of our day-to-day reality. And one of them is simply, we need help navigating this, this life. It's yes. not simple. No, it is not simple. And I think, I think as we head, you know, I'm sure after Shavuot, it feels, um, heavy to sort of then walk back into another Shabbat. But I think as as we sort of move forward into Shabbat, we we can really have this moment, especially like having been given the Torah, right? Like this is us now going forward. Um, I think this is, this Shabbat really provides an opportunity to um, sort of sit with the humanness that the Torah allows us to to be and to have. Well, I think that is a beautiful way to wrap up this podcast. Uh, I think there's only one thing left to say, and that's Shabbat Shalom. Adrian, that was a beautiful thought. That was a beautiful thought. I love it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you you for listening. (laughs) Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Bye.